This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, at TaylorTravis15 on Twitter. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. We're also on Facebook. You can just search for Locked On Aggies, click on the page, click like, and you'll be plugged into all the new episodes and news and notes surrounding the Texas A&M athletics program. I'm not alone today. I'm with uh, Garrett Robertson, our special guest. He's also a producer, reporter, swing host on the Zone 1150 in College Station. Uh, he's been following Texas A&M for quite some time. And also, uh, funny enough, he's from Starkville, Mississippi. I am from Starkville, Mississippi. I was born in a hospital there. Um, my family, as far back as I know, are from Mississippi. And then we moved out to Lubbock, Texas when I was 14. And um, and then I learned how to be, a, I guess, a true Texan or something. So you've gone from Starkville to Lubbock. At what point yeah, in your life did weird. you live in the city you were proud of? <laughs> That's why I got to ask. Uh, I lived in Bryan for a while. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I appreciate you having me on, Taylor. Uh, you've been doing a great job with the podcast. Appreciate so, it. So it's fun to be on. Appreciate it. The reason I mentioned that you lived in Starkville, of course, Texas A&M going to Starkville on Saturday to take on Mississippi State. They're going to have to deal with the Cowbells. They're going to have to deal with the uh, tough Mississippi State defense that we'll talk about in just a little bit. But Texas A&M coming off a bye week, I think that bye week came at a really good time for Texas A&M because they're in the midst of a really tough three-game road trip. Uh, they had South Carolina, and then now they're going to have Mississippi State, and they're going to have Auburn. That's three really tough physical teams. It's tough to play those games back-to-back-to-back, but they do have a bye in there. They also have played Alabama. They've played Clemson. They've played Kentucky. And then, like we just talked about, South Carolina. Those are four teams. They're going to beat you up. Yeah. You're going to be worn down after you play those teams. So I think the bye comes at a really good time for Texas A&M. Absolutely. Everybody's been saying that from whenever the schedule was released, that that bye week really helps them out down the stretch. Uh, we saw time and time again, Taylor, throughout at least our time of covering Texas A&M, that slide towards the back end of the season. Um, it's, it's something that has plagued A&M immensely in the win-loss column. Um, so that bye week coming at this point in time hopefully can boost them and boost Jimbo Fisher to to come up with a great game plan against Mississippi State so they can maybe you know, cure that curse in a way and, and try to spark it to make a run towards the end of the season. Texas seeing them ranked 16th in the country. You know, before the season, I looked at the schedule and I thought to myself, what's the most important game? Well, you could argue LSU because A&M's trying to get that monkey off their back and finally knock off LSU. You could argue Alabama or Clemson, I guess, since they're two big premier matchups on your schedule. Mm -hmm. But I thought the most important game was South Carolina because this is the first of three really tough road games. And if you win that South Carolina game, if everything's going as planned, you'll probably be 5-2, and like Texas A&M is right right now. Mm -hmm. And you have games against Mississippi State and Auburn that have turned out to be really winnable. If you can beat Mississippi State... That's going to give you a lot of momentum going into Auburn to take right. on an Auburn team that's not anywhere as good as people thought. No. You could easily be 7-2 and two after this road trip, and that's when you're starting to think, maybe Texas A&M can win out. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You still have games against Ole Miss that I think is going to be a really tough matchup for A&M. Same. Uh, that A&M secondary is suspect, to say the least. You know, the Ole Miss receivers are probably going to be a really bad matchup for the A&M corners. Uh, Jordan Tiamu is a really good quarterback. Doesn't get enough credit just because he plays for a bad team. Right. Uh, UAB isn't going to be a cupcake. UAB, I think, is going to be 9-1 and one when they play in them. One of the best teams not gonna lose in the conference USC, uh, USA. Yeah, exactly. And then you have LSU, who's probably the surprise of the year, who's in the top five right now, who's looking like legitimately one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not going to be easy by any stretch. No. But you start to think it's within the realm of possibility. 
You do. You you have to wonder that if you're a fan or if you're somebody who supports the team. You always want your team to win out. But looking at it from, from a, I guess, a reporter or a journalistic standpoint, if you want to call me a journalist, um, it, it it's tough. It's tough to win in the SEC. It is. And that them going to uh, South Carolina last week and, or I guess two weeks ago and winning, um, that's a tough game. That's a tough place to win. And that team is fired up and they've, been playing some really inspired football. Um, they've been kind of counted out here and there in some games, but they played really well. And the SEC East is getting better and better. So um, that could be a team that can really cause you problems throughout the Jimbo Fisher era, in my opinion. Um, but you said it earlier that South Carolina win, that's pivotal moving forward throughout the season. It can really springboard you into, like we said, um, a really strong finish. But I will say, I don't think Mississippi State's going to be a walkover. You know, they're no, not going to be able to no, walk no, over. No, them. they won't. Uh, I know that they got crushed last week by LSU, and it was ugly. It was an ugly game to watch. Um, but I still think that Mississippi State has some great athletes on the field. I think Nick Fitzgerald had an awful game, but I don't know if that's really what he is as a quarterback and right. what he is as a football player. I think this is going to be a tough game for a I really do. It will be, for sure. It seems like every game Mississippi State plays, and you talked about how they got crushed by LSU. They really did. It wasn't anywhere close from the mm-hmm. beginning. But it was 19-3. to Right. It was still a two-possession game. Yeah, they kept them in it. And exactly. If if they, the defense kept them in that game. And LSU, as much as they look like an awesome team, I mean, they're, they're being held down. If they can't get something going from Joe Burrow, they're a pretty limited offense as well, similar to Mississippi State um, with their ground game attack. But anyways, like Mississippi State's defense is good. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the most disruptive players I think I've watched in college football this season. He is a monster on the defensive line for the Bulldogs. He is. He is. And it's funny you mentioned the defenses because Texas A&M coming into the game with the fourth best run defense in the country. Who saw that coming? Yeah, absolutely. Because they were, what, like 74th last year? Yeah, That's they were huge definitely middle jump. of the pack. And there's really no big additions on that defense either. It's just the same personnel. That's Mike Elko's just my just head scratching. Like, a, how, how did that, how did those pieces add up to this? Is and they it, play good teams. Yeah, they have. Alabama, Clemson, uh, Kentucky, who has one of the best running backs in the country, the best running back in the SEC, and Benny Snell. It hasn't been easy, but they've been able to do it. Again, fourth-ranked run defense in the country. I want to hit on this just a little bit. The over-under in this game is 45-and-a-half. I feel like you have to go under there. Yeah. Because you look at the Mississippi State defense, you look at A&M's inability to score in the red zone at times, you look at Mississippi State's inability to score the ball. They come into the game, I think, what was it, 76th in scoring offense. So they don't score a whole lot. Yeah. This is going to be a really close, grinded-out game. Close to what we saw against South Carolina. That turned out not to be as low scoring as it looked like it would be. But really, if you look a little bit closer, it was pretty low scoring. Points were at a premium for the most part. I can see this being like a 13-10 to 10 type game. 14-10, to 10, a really, really low scoring slugfest. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But I think the play has to be the under. Yeah, I think the under for sure. The Mississippi State, in their past four games, their four SEC games, they scored seven against Kentucky. They scored six against Florida. They scored 23 in a win against Auburn, and then they scored three last week against LSU. That is uh, not high numbers. They're so not. I would lean, and, and I think A&M hasn't, I don't know. If you, can, you can correct me if you're wrong if you think otherwise. I don't know if the offense has been that explosive lately to where no, they hasn't. can really jump up and, from a gambling perspective, get yeah. over, that, over that line. I, but I, 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 I don't so. know. The I offense mean, has been hit or miss, in my opinion, at times. We'll hit on this a little bit later, but if you look at what Mississippi State does well, 
Texas A&M is able to counter it with what they do well. For example, Mississippi State likes to run the ball. They do a really good job of running the ball. A&M stops the run. Texas A&M can't stop the pass. They're one of the worst secondaries in the league, but Mississippi State can't throw the ball. So you look at that, it's kind of a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I just don't think points are going to be very uh, easy to come across during this game. I really do see a really low-scoring game. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about Nick Fitzgerald, what happened to him. It seems like just last year, we are talking about him being one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, and we pointed to him as one of the reasons we thought Mississippi State might win 10 games this year. That's not really the case. In fact, Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead is considering a quarterback change, but we'll hit on that a little bit after this. But first, let me tell you about Sling TV. Let me ask you a question. Are you paying for cable, and are you paying hundreds of dollars a year for channels that you don't watch? Because it seems like most cable packages these days... They're expensive, and they come with about 400 channels, and maybe you watch 50 of them. It's not fair, right? It's not right. Well, there's a way to avoid that. Look into Sling TV. I recommend it because it comes with all the college football channels I watch. It's the best way to watch college football. Just $30 a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and so much more. You can also stream it on your big screen, all your favorite devices on the go. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. That's big for me because when I tried it out, my first thought was, okay, how much is it going to cost me if I decide I want to cancel? Are they going to lock me up in the contract? No, none of that. It's not like your normal cable. There's no hidden fees. There's no uh, long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. It's perfect for me. I really do recommend it. You can sign up right now. Sling TV, free seven-day trial just because you're a locked-on listener. Sling.com slash locked on. That's S L I N G dot com slash locked on. Again, Sling TV, the best way to watch college football. Just $30 a month gets you all the ESPN networks, Pac 12 network, SEC network, and so much more. And you can try it today. Go to Sling.com slash locked on. That's S L I N G dot com slash locked on for your seven day free trial. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Alongside me, Garrett Robertson. And I think we both talked about on air during one of the shows we hosted on Sports Radio 1150 in the Zone 102.7 FM at College Station. We thought Mississippi State might be the team to beat in the SEC this year. Well, I mean, not Alabama, of course, but a 9 or 10 win team. Because when you look at that team, they returned a lot of talent. Nick Fitzgerald, up until this year, was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Uh, they had one of the best running backs in Eris Williams. They had a front seven that could probably match up with anybody in the country. But it hasn't really been the case this year. Mm-hmm. Nick Fitzgerald's taken a big step down. In fact, Joe Moorhead spoke this week and said he's considering a quarterback change. I don't know what's happening over there. I don't know if Nick Fitzgerald doesn't really fit in that Joe Moorhead scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I thought Joe Moorhead had a high enough football IQ where he could kind of adjust his system to, uh, you know, work to around Nick Fitzgerald. Right, exactly. Right, right. But so far, that hasn't been the case. The offense has really been struggling. And as far as their running back goes, and Aris Williams, that's kind of a mystery. He's kind of yeah. disappeared. I don't know if it's a doghouse situation. I don't know if maybe he's being hampered by an injury. But it's really a mystery. Yeah, maybe we're not on, you know, not on the beat as much about Mississippi State to where we might not know something about Eris Williams. Right. But last year, hit that Fitz, Fitzgerald, Eris Williams punch, one-two punch was deadly. I mean, they gashed A&M on the ground last year with those two guys. Um, I, think the, I think that the injury that Nick Fitzgerald had last season against Ole Miss in their last game, I mean, that has to play some, yeah. some something into his struggles offensively, whether 
he hasn't run the ball terribly. He's still moving the ball on the ground all right. But maybe passing-wise, I don't know. It's, But, yeah, maybe we need to stick our foot in our mouths because we both said that Mississippi State was probably going to get nine or ten wins and, and be up there for second place. But we also didn't see LSU just That's true. turning out to be whatever they are. I said LSU would go six and six this yeah. year. I couldn't have been more wrong. You know, the thing about Nick Fitzgerald is he was never a really good passer. No. He was a good enough passer to get by. Really, what made him dangerous is his legs. And it's funny you mentioned up the in, mentioned the injury. I had the same injury as him in a slow pitch softball game, and I'm not half the athlete Nick Fitzgerald is. I don't sell yourself short. But it took me about a full year and a half to get back to where I was pretty close to 100. I could trust that ankle, uh, so I can see where maybe that still hampers him. It's been what less than a year. Yeah, the Egg Bowl's last game of the season. So yeah, it's been less than a year. Than so a year I can see sure. where he's probably not 100. Yeah, he's probably pretty close, but it's probably in the back of his mind. You see that with athletes all the time. They tear their ACL. They you know, whatever other injury it could be. And they just kind of, in the back of their mind, wherever they make that cut, it's just not the same because they're thinking about it the whole time. So maybe that plays a factor. Uh, the Aris williams situation thing to me is just so baffling because, like you said, that Fitzgerald-Williams combo last year was just deadly. And this year, it's just an afterthought. Yeah. Mississippi State, like you said, scored three points against LSU. They've scored no more than, what was it, 20 points? They scored 23 against Auburn. They scored 31 against K-State, but K-State is... Down this year. Right. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. So that Mississippi State offense has been struggling. The and only Joe thing Moorhead's that, an offensive guy, right? Like is, that's exactly. his that's his background is making offenses go. I was really high on the hire at the beginning of the yeah. year because I thought Joe Moorhead was a guy who was one of those really fast up and comers. I mean, he was the head coach at Fordham, then he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State, did really good job there, although he had Saquon Barkley. I mean it's kinda hard to screw that up. Yeah. But then he came to Mississippi State and I thought that was a really good hire for the Bulldogs because if you're Mississippi State, you're never going to make that home run splash higher. When they hired Dan Mullen, that wasn't a home run hire at the time. It turned out to be, yeah. but it wasn't at the time. I thought Joe Moorhead was sort of like Dan Mullen in that it was a really young, up-and-coming coach who uh, was flashy. And if you're Mississippi State, that's kind of the best thing you can get. So I thought that was going to work. It might still work out. It's year one. He still needs to recruit his players. It could turn out to be a really good hire. But I'm really surprised by their struggles on offense considering, like you said, He's an offensive guy. I expected him to be able to kind of work around the players he has and find something that works. Yeah. Um, it works for the Texas A&M side. Uh, they, the thing about this game from an A&M perspective is that you're going against a team that you haven't traditionally played great in the past. It's kind of been uh, up and down uh, for A&M. Um, but you're coming against a team who seems down now. But on the flip side of that, they just got smacked by LSU. Mm-hmm. Might be like a you know cornered animal or something that they they're fighting for their season at this point. Like if they fall to to A and um, I mean that could really slope them into a terrible season. So I think you might get one of the most inspired games on A and schedule from Mississippi State this weekend. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I think A and M has all the right. They like you like we said the whole podcast. They A um, and M has the strengths that. That just matches up well against Mississippi State's defense. Yeah, and once, I mean, the the key to this game, in my opinion, is if Kellen Mond and that offensive line can pass protect and they can move the ball efficiently through the air, it's going to open up run lanes for Travion Williams for Kellen Mond. That's going to open up the middle of the field for Jay Sternberger. And when the ball is moving through the ground through Travion Williams, and you can hit Sternberger in the middle of the field, this offense is sky's the limit. Like that is a key for success for them. 
See, my key of the game, I'm going to talk more about this on Friday's episode, but my key of the game, kind of, it's that, but it kind of goes beyond that. Because A&M's been able to move the ball, where they get the troubles in the red zone. They settle for field goals a lot. At least to me, that's what it feels like. They leave a lot of points on the board. When you're playing a team like Mississippi State, you can't afford to do that. It's going to be a really low-scoring game. And if you have to settle for field goals, and you look at the scoreboard in the fourth quarter, and it's 13-10, to 10, and you've kicked two of them, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, we could easily put this game away in the third quarter if we scored that touchdown, that one drive. You know, it just comes back to bite you. Absolutely. That's something that Texas A&M has to do moving forward if they want to beat a team like Ole Miss or Auburn or even LSU. They have to get touchdowns. They have to score the ball. They can't settle for field goals like they've been doing all year, it seems like. What's your take on the success rate in the red zone? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a personnel thing? What have you seen? So, the closer you get to the end zone, the harder it is to score. The harder it is to throw because that window closes. So, it's definitely difficult. I don't think it's a coaching thing necessarily. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I think maybe A&M doesn't necessarily have the tools uh, they don't have that big target at receiver. The offensive line is not necessarily good enough to get that push when they're at the three or four yard line and they're trying to run the ball at the middle. I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. Uh, Jimbo Fisher did say last week that that's something that they're going to work on during the bye week. So it will be interesting to see against Mississippi State if maybe they have a few wrinkles that they're going to throw out there to try to get the ball in the end zone. But when you're playing in the SEC, when you're playing games that are as close as A&M has played, Kentucky went to overtime, South Carolina was a three-point game. You start to think we can't settle for field goals anymore. At this point in the season, you definitely can't. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier. Traditionally, you start taking this slide naturally because you played this many games, you've played really tough opponents, you're physically maybe exhausted, mentally maybe drained. If you start settling for field goals now, you open up a window for the teams you're playing against to to capitalize. Right. And if they can capitalize, and you get behind as an, as if A&M gets behind. That could, that could cause you two, three games down the stretch. And that's kind of been the problem for them in the past is they get they get drained or something. I mean, nobody knows what it really is. Yeah. But something happens, and then they slide, and they can't produce like they could at the beginning of the season. Exactly. So at this point, I think that that's going to be the biggest test down the stretch for me is can this is this team different under Jimbo Fisher down the stretch? I agree completely. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Man Up Challenge. What's that? Well, I'll tell you right after I tell you about Vivid Seats. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to go out and go to a ball game or a concert with my buddies. But one of my biggest struggles before now was to find the best place to find tickets for the right price. Well, I finally found that place, and that place is Vivid Seats. It even comes with a 100% buyer guarantee, which is big for me because I like when my tickets come with a guarantee. I like to know that my tickets are going to get mailed to me on time. I know that my tickets are going to get me into the event with Vivid Seats. You don't have to worry about that. It's a 100% buyer guarantee. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats right now is giving Locked On listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or go to Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Again, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event like they've helped me so many times. Again, enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. 
You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. A part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, alongside me, Garrett Robertson. And uh, on Friday's show, or was it Thursday's show? I can't remember now. All the days run together. But we had Andre Perard on, who uh, used to write for the Battalion, the student paper. He used to cover A&M for a couple years. We talked about Braden Mann and how good he's been for Texas A&M. And I think, really, if you look at the big picture, Braden Mann's probably been Texas A&M's best overall player. Uh, one of the best players in the SEC. You know, if you go position by position, Braden Mann is just head and shoulders above everybody else. Maybe Tua Tungo Viola at the quarterback position might give him a run for his money, but Braden Mann has just been incredible. Uh, but when you look at his stats, it really pops out. He's punted the ball 27 times for 1,471 yards. So that means 27 punts, and he's over four-fifths of a mile That's in nuts. yardage. That's, That's crazy. That's nuts. That tells you maybe 32, 33 would get him to a mile. That's crazy. So I got to thinking. I'm not a very good punter. No. Every now and then I can boom one about 25 yards, but yeah. I'm not a very good punter. Usually <laughs> after five or six, I pull something. Uh, but I thought, okay, if I punt the ball 27 times... How close can I get to a mile? So that's where I bring in the man up challenge. The hashtag man up challenge. Man with two ends like Braden Man. Okay. The man up challenge. And I'm going to challenge our listeners to do this. I'm going to challenge you to do this because I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to go out to a football field somewhere. Somewhere where they'll let me in. I'm not going to try Kyle Field. That's not going to end well at all. I'm going to try a football field somewhere. I'm going to get at the one yard line. I'm going to punt the ball 27 times. I'm going to measure each punt. And I'm going to see how close I can get to a mile. It's not going to be. It's not going to be anywhere close to 1,400. Sounds like a yards. wasted afternoon. It's going to be a wasted afternoon for sure. But you know what? It's for a good cause. It's for the Locked On Aggies podcast. It's for the listeners. It's for you. Thank you. I just want to see. I'm trying to figure out what a good over under would be. I've, I want to pull. I want to pull the audience on Twitter. You're going to try to go 27 in a row. 27 in a row. Just like kick, measure, walk back, kick. Well, Keep I think it going. ideally I'll have somebody standing out there about the 50-yard line. We'll oh. watch it bounce. And yeah. If I punt from the one, if it lands at the See, 32, it's If 30. you're trying to get in 27 punts in like an hour, there's no... You might get 500 yards. Your leg's going to be so tired. You think? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Because when you think about it, you don't think punting's that tiring. But like it's a really explosive motion. Yeah, I know. That's why you're you're going to be exhausted. I'm going to walk into work the next day limping. If I can get through 27 punts without pulling my groin or my hammy, it's a win. (laughs) It's a win. I'm going to put my over under at 700 yards. I'll put it at 700. I'm going to say under by a long shot. Really? I think you might get 500. You, You might get over 500 yards. Let's do the math. If I average 25 yards a punt, 25 times 27. I'm not a uh, math guy by any means. I'm looking this up on my phone right now. But if I average 25 yards per punt, which I think is very doable, because you also got to factor in the roll, right? The bounce. I could, I could potentially bounce a couple 40-plus if I get a hold of one and it takes a favorable bounce. I don't like your odds. You're going to have some stinkers in there. You're going to have some shakes. You're going to have some 10 <laughs> yards. Yard punt. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're going to have some bad ones. You're right. So if I average 25 yards a punt, I punt the ball 27 times, 675 yards. Yeah. So that puts you're us not close that. to the 700 mark. I don't know. If you if you do that, I think that that's a win. If you can average it out at 25, 
you might have a shot to walk on at some like <laughs> middle Middle Eastern football league somewhere. Wow. I don't know. Look wow. into it. Maybe A and M cater across the pond. <laughs> you got you got any eligibility left? I don't <laughs> so, know. So we are gonna video this, so you'll be able to see me attempt the man up challenge. I uh, encourage you to do the same thing. Just punt the ball 27 times, measure it off, let me know how you do. Hashtag man up challenge. Maybe I'll convince Garrett to do it. He seems a little worried, though, about his health. Do you think you can talk to Braden? Do you think he can get any pointers uh, I from actually him? did already. Okay. Actually, Braden tweeted back at me, and he said, stretch out really good, and then let it rip. I love so that. So I hope he's talking about the ball, not the ham- my hammy. But um, can, I, I, Also, Pat McAfee tweeted at me. He gave me some advice by way of a gif, and it was uh, from a movie. I don't remember what movie it was, but the golfer teed off, and the ball just went like 50 miles so I don't know what he was trying to tell me by that, but he did tweet the show. He did uh, weigh in on the Man Up Challenge in some sort. So, uh, yeah, that's my feedback so far. I think you're going to witness greatness whenever you get out there. You're going to kick the ball, and you're going to think, wow, Braden Man is just smacking these balls every single time he punts it. This is what I think is going to happen. I think I'm going to get out there, I'm going to stretch. My first punts can go about 45 yards. I'm going to be like, Wow. Do you need a long snapper? I got this. Uh, I don't think we're going to snap it. We're just going to okay. punt. We're going to cheat a little bit. Okay. But, I mean, it's me, not Braden Man, so it's not going to make much of a difference. I'm worried about you. I'm kind of scared about this, honestly. I think I'm going to embarrass myself. I think it's going to go way under the 700, probably. I think five, 500 to 550 is where I'm, where I'm drawing the line. I'll give myself 600. I'll give myself 600. I'm just really factoring in the low-line drive punts that roll about 15 yards after they hit the ground. But we'll see. That remains to be seen. You're betting on an outlier. (laughs) Weigh in on Twitter what you think. Over, under 700 yards for the Man Up Challenge. Keep your eye out for the video. We're not sure exactly when we're going to do it yet, but it should be soon. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, Garrett, for hanging out with me. Uh, On tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, weekly press conference that took place a couple days ago. Jimbo Fisher previewed Mississippi State. And I'll give a brief Mississippi preview as well. We kind of did that already today, but there's a lot more to talk about tomorrow as well. But until then, thanks for listening to Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.